So this week we are going to go back to the body meditation. We're going to go back to 32 body part meditation. So what I thought I would do tonight is maybe start off with a shorter meditation just to get us situated into the present and then do a Dharma talk in which we kind of review the 32 body parts in a little bit more depth. I'll give you a little bit more understanding of how to do it. A couple weeks ago we started and we did hair, teeth, nails, and stuff like that. So you have some sense of how this meditation works. I'd like to go over some of the more details and I'll show you a list of all the body parts that the Buddha recommends. Of course, you can throw some extra body parts. Uh, if you have favorite body parts, you can add body parts as well. The list can be growing. So I think we should do that. We're gonna do a shorter meditation and then I'll do an extended guided meditation, which will go through uh, the form of the body, the elements, and some new body parts as well. So let me get some timers set up. Why don't you grab a comfy seat and we'll get started. Let's plop into the present and see what we've got there. Let's begin with three long, slow, deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth to relax the body and ease the nervous system, letting go of the tension and stress of the day. Long, slow, deep, intentional breathing. As we take our breath inward, we breathe in relaxation and ease, and we breathe out the stress and tension, really relaxing the muscles, any tension that you've adopted throughout the day. So easy for stress and tension to hitch a ride in the body, the muscles, the neck and the shoulders. It's easy for the body to get contracted and stiff, even if we don't know it. With intentional effort, we relax the muscles on the out-breath. With each breath, 
make a gentle intention to bring awareness to the whole body, the whole body sitting. We are embodied beings. In this moment, embodied beings breathing, sitting at rest and at ease. It helps to be aware of posture, the sensations of sitting, hands touching hands perhaps, feet touching floor, contact at the sense doors. How do we know we're sitting in this moment? Can we bring awareness into direct contact with the sense of sitting, the form of the body, also known sometimes as earth element. Sitting and knowing it. Sitting body breathing. We take notice of bodily form. We bring awareness to any part of the body that feels tense or contracted. We do a little body scan, perhaps, allowing awareness to drift from the top of the head and drift down the body, taking inventory of form. Noticing with intention any contraction, stress, or discontent. Pain or ache, perhaps. And if we find areas like that, we just gently hold them in awareness and breathe. Breathing in, release. Breathing out, grace and ease fully relaxed in the present moment, body content with sitting, breathing. With the body relaxed and at ease, breathing in, breathing out, awake and aware to presence, we take note of mood, bringing mood into awareness. What is the mood in this moment? And can we bring awareness and direct contact with mood through the feelings of the body? Take notice of anticipation 
take note if thoughts arise and pass away as the mind finishes processing the day. the body at rest and at ease, awake and aware to feelings and mood arising and passing, thoughts perhaps arising and passing away. We take comfort in present moment awareness. Awake and aware of body breathing. Awake and aware of body sitting. Embodied being breathing moment to moment. Awake and aware.
All right. Thank you for that. If you dropped in a little late, that was a shorter sit. Just to get us situated, we're going to do a longer sit in a little bit. But I wanted to give some instructions on 32 body part meditation tonight. So I'll give the instructions, just a little background, and then we'll take a five-minute break, and then we'll sit down again and go through more of an extended guided meditation. I apologize for the... If you could hear the disruption when we started the sit, I didn't realize my cat was in the room and he jumped up on the table and proceeded to play with the computer and <laughs> the water glass and everything else on that side of the table. And my eyes were closed and I couldn't figure out what the noise was. Ah, anyway, hope you were all safe and well. Hope you were enjoying the cleaner air this week. I know I was. All right, so I wanted to just get us back on the same page. So we had a couple weeks where we did element meditation and then we did the first part of the body parts and then we skipped a week and talked about worry because I felt like that was really up and present for myself and with all the stuff going on in the world, it seemed like it was something that we should take care of and get on the same page about with all of our tools and techniques in the Dharma. For worry. Uh, so we did that last week and so I'm going to go through just some background on um, the 32 body parts and why we do it, how to go about it, and then we'll do some practice today. I always like to remind people when you're doing any kind of body meditation, especially if you're doing awareness work where awareness moves into the body and you have a history of trauma or stressful stuff like that, Keep in mind that bringing awareness into the body and moving it through the body, these kind of meditations can trigger stuff like that. So it's just important to be aware and awake to that and to take care of yourself with any kind of real body-focused meditation because trauma is stored in the body in a significant way. And especially if you're doing like, say, body scanning meditation where you bring awareness and you allow it to sink in and you move awareness around and inside, now this meditation is a little bit more of a visualization, so it's not going to be as triggering for most people, but you never know because it is the body and the body holds a lot of symbolism and metaphor. Um, so just keep your mind that kind of thing when you're doing any kind of body meditation. The other thing I like to remind folks is that when you do 32 body part meditation, one of the things we're doing is approaching the body with dispassion. So we're looking at the body in a way where our job is not to admire it, but to look at it sort of impersonally, right, with dispassion, and also look at it like a physical, mechanical organism, right? And in doing that, it can be aversive. We could have a response that's kind of aversive when we do these kind of meditations. So it's always advised to start off with loving kindness or a more positive meditation, like a gratitude meditation, before you engage in a body part meditation. So if you do this at home, helps to start with some gratitude, call something to the altar of your heart that is giving you pleasure and joy in the world, something that's brightening your day before you move to exploring elemental meditations or body part meditation. And for some people, it doesn't really matter, but it's just one of those things that over the years, students and teachers alike have noticed, and it's something that we usually recommend for this kind of meditation. So, loving kindness, and then remember if you have some body issues or past trauma, always keep that in mind when you're doing body part meditation. 
So I wanted to remind us of a couple things. I did speak of this a couple weeks ago when we talked about the elemental meditation and when we did hair, teeth, and nails. But I wanted to just remind us why the body is so important and why we spend so much time in the Dharma with the body being the focus. So the first time we come across body is when we talk about the four foundations of mindfulness. So the four foundations of mindfulness are the basic parts of the human experience that we bring into awareness to cultivate mindfulness and to increase concentration. And the very first foundation of mindfulness is always the body. And to put it bluntly, it's because we're embodied beings, right? We are embodied creatures and no matter what we're doing, whether we're moving through the world or we're sitting and thinking and feeling, everything occurs in the context of the body. Sense door contact gives us our orientation to the world. So we're never in spiritual practice, at least related to the Dharma, outside of the body. We're embodied and we're looking as the body as a doorway to go deeper within. Another aspect of the body, again, kind of obvious, but it's good to remember, the body is the largest object that we can take into awareness, and it's the slowest moving object. Unlike thoughts and feelings, which can happen very rapid, right? Thoughts can just lightning fast, cross the mind, an emotion can arise and pass away almost before we even are aware that it's there. The body, though, a little more clunky, a little more slow. It's the largest and slowest object. So that's why it's the primary foundation for insight meditation. So we start with the body. Now, another reason the Buddha asks us to start with the body, the Buddha talks about the five aggregates. And the five aggregates are just parts of us, so to speak, that we identify with and mistake for the self. And the first aggregate is form, otherwise known as the body or materiality. So of these aggregates, the body is something we overly and very heavily identify with. And sometimes our sense of self is really wrapped up in the body. So this is why we use it as a process for meditation, because our sense of I-making and my-making the sense of I am is often heavily grounded in our physical being. So for all these reasons, the body is the perfect place to start with most of our meditations. And so of course it is with the 32 body part meditation, we use the body, not only the form of the body, but we go inside and acknowledge and use the parts of the body, the organs and things like that as our objects of meditation. Another thing I wanted to remind us of when we do 32 body part meditation is the three fabrications. So I've talked about these tons of times in different Dharma talks, and so these aren't going to be new to you for the most part. But it's important to remember that the Buddha mentions three ways that we participate in our experience in the world. So one is bodily fabrication, right? So how we move, how we breathe gives us a sense of who we are in the world. Our, we can change or fabricate the way our body exists in the world, and by doing that, we can think and feel differently. We have a different sense of self through bodily fabrication by changing the way our body is. We also have the ability to engage in verbal fabrication, which is how we talk to ourselves. The way we think about ourselves, the way we think about the world, the way we think about others, this affects how we feel. This affects it has a direct impact in whether we experience a sense of joy or a sense of happiness. The self-talk, as we all know, can go haywire and get pretty negative, can be pretty self-deprecating. 
So we have this ability to talk to ourselves, this verbal fabrication. And the third way that we can change things and engage in the world is mental fabrication, which is how we imagine things. Imagine we always spend our days imagining what comes next. We imagine what happened in the past. We spend a lot of time in fantasy. And depending on what we fantasize about, how we fantasize, how often we fantasize, these can change the way we feel as we walk through the world. Our fantasies have a really big impact in our sense of well-being and our sense of self. So we have physical fabrication, bodily fabrication, verbal fabrication, and mental fabrication. Now, in the 32 body part meditation, this is a combination of mental and verbal. We're going to imagine body parts, right, to make them our object, and we're going to ask questions related to these body parts. We're going to talk to ourselves, so to speak. We're going to ask ourselves questions. We're going to say things like, okay, I've got bones in my body, and I'm going to imagine the skeleton, which would be a certain type of mental fabrication, and then I'm going to ask a question such as, am I my bones? Are my bones self? Those kind of questions we ask when we engage in the 32 body part meditation. So it's important to know that when we do this kind of meditation, we are engaging in a bunch of different skills, ones that I've talked about before, but we're putting them all together in a very unique way. Verbal, mental, and the body coming together in a type of meditation, very different than just using awareness to be present to what is arising and passing away. This meditation is quite active. You're doing a lot of activity and it really is a type of concentration practice. It's generating a lot of focus through imagery and verbal reflection. One could say that it's a contemplation meditation because there's so much verbal fabrication going on in the meditation, as opposed to your traditional Vipassana meditation where you're mostly moving awareness and trying not to do a lot of the thinking part. So I want to show you on the screen the list of body parts. So let me see if I can manage this. Okay. All right. I am hoping some folks can see this. I'm going to read it either way. But we have earth element and water element categories for our body part meditation. This is how the Buddha conceptualized the body parts. We have 20 earth elements and 12 water elements. And just so you know, you don't have to write them down or anything because I'll be doing our guidance in the meditation. And I will also post these on the Google Drive for Wednesday Wake Up. And um, I will send out the link to that with all of the other handouts that we keep on the Google Drive. So. If you can see this, I'm going to read them anyway. So we've got earth element and water element. Now, these are not, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just the traditional meditation. You can add any body parts. If you have a favorite body part that's not listed, you can contemplate any body part in the 32 body part meditation. But the list traditionally goes like this, give or take. We have head, I'm sorry, we have hair on the head, hair on the body. So hair is the first one. Then we have nails, teeth, and skin. And you can see this is a lot of the external and then we start to move a little bit more inward where we talk about flesh which can be translated as muscle. And then we have the tendons and ligaments which we call sinew. 
Then we have bone. Now we all have skeletons, so you have bones you can meditate on. Then the inside of the bone. So we go in even more to bone marrow. And we also have the start of the organs where we have kidneys. And then we have heart and liver, the diaphragm, which is the sort of thin muscular tissue that sort of surrounds and separates the chest and the stomach. And the diaphragm is which really creates the vacuums when we're the vacuum when we're breathing. So the diaphragm is that muscle that really creates the vacuum that allows the lungs to take in the air. So we have the diaphragm, we have the spleen, and we have the lungs. The spleen, as far if I can remember correctly, I think the spleen is on the left hand side of us, um, kind of in the back, if I remember correctly. Um, a spleen, okay, a purifying organ, uh, along with the liver. Then we have the large intestine, small intestine, and this beautiful one, the contents of the stomach. What a wonderful thing. And then we have feces and brain. Feces and brain. So you can see this gets really interesting as far as concomitants of the body that we can use as objects of meditation. So that's the earth element, the more solid aspects of the internal part of the body. And then we have the water element, 12 parts. So here we have bile, phlegm, pus, blood, sweat, fat. So that's another section of parts of the body but more water element, because these are considered more moist. And then we have tears, lymph. Now our lymph, if I know correctly, actually is surrounding the white blood cells. So again, we have this purification sort of element we can meditate on. Then we have saliva, mucus, joint fluid, and urine. I love this list because I just imagined 3,000 years ago, the Buddha coming up with this meditation and just listing all these body parts that we're supposed to be meditating on. And it always seems a little odd to have all these different things to take as objects of meditation, especially if you're used to using just breath, right? Or just the outside of the body as something to pay attention to. Because now we're really going inward and we're really imagining these different components that we are and using those strange sort of aspects of it that we don't really contemplate like how much you know how much time do we spend contemplating our spleen day to day right or how often do you actually think about your diaphragm i mean hair nails teeth we did those a couple weeks ago yeah we think about those but do you often contemplate just in passing saliva or lymph so this is really a different way of looking at the body so i'm going to unshare the screen again i'll pass this out uh via email but those are the traditional lists and again you can use any parts of the body for this and i'm going to explain why we use the parts of the body and how we use more importantly how we use the parts of the body so you can really understand how to do the practice and when we started wednesday wake up god probably now eight months ago one of the commitments i had was to really help you gain more tools in your meditative toolbox so I'm really committed to, to drawing out all the details in these meditations that I think are overlooked most of the time. So you can really have a deeper practice and have more opportunity to look at the heart and mind from various perspectives. I know I had been a meditator, I mean, for at least 15 years before I was even taught uh, the 32 body part meditation. And so I know some of these meditations are just kind of like, they're kind of on the periphery. So I'm really trying to bring details to this that you probably haven't heard before.
So there's some things to know about the 32 body part meditation because it is a little bit different than some of the other meditation practices that you've done. The most similar meditation I would say is probably loving kindness meditation. Because loving kindness, we chant phrases, so to speak, we have aphorisms, and the body part meditation has that as well. So there's some verbal fabrication. So you're familiar uh, with that. Another similarity is that loving kindness and the 32 body part meditation can be considered concentration meditation. Because the longer we contemplate the organs, the clearer our visualizations become, the more concentrated the mind and the heart are in the practice. And that's identical to what happens in loving kindness meditation. The longer we maintain our chanting, the clearer the aphorisms are for us, the stronger the concentration of the mind. So this is like a weightlifting exercise for lack of a better term. This practice will strengthen your concentration, very similar to the way that loving kindness strengthens our meditation practice. Another aspect of the 32 body part meditation to understand is that equanimity. Normally when we practice equanimity in a Vipassana practice, we practice it by accepting what is arising and passing away. So a thought arises and passes away. There's some physical sensations that arise and pass away. And we just bring equanimity, right? A sense of acceptance to them. And so in Vipassana meditation, we have equanimity experience in a very particular way. In the 32 body part meditation, equanimity arises when we can strike a balance between admiring the body, liking our body, and seeing the body as a form and avenue of suffering and discontent. Equanimity in the body part meditation really is a, a balance between honoring the fact that there's a certain vanity that goes around, goes along with our sense of the body. And equally honoring that the body is a sense, has a, a lot of aspects of it that are really leading to discontent and suffering, particularly with aging, right? When we get sick, the body breaks down. So equanimity with this meditation is bringing into balance these two sides of the equation, which are honoring the fact that the body really does bring a lot of discontent and the fact that there's a lot of pride or <laughs> hygiene and maintenance that we do with the body as well and bringing that into balance, right? Bringing that into balance, accepting both sides. Another thing I wanted to mention is that with this kind of meditation, it really does take more practice than traditional Vipassana. It really does take quite a few trials. And I just wanted to encourage you to experiment with this, practice it in different ways, be creative, bring some joy to it, have some fun with it, experiment with different body parts, body parts you would never think of taking part in as far as a meditation. So I really would like you to approach this with a sense of curiosity, right? You don't wanna get it right because there's no way to get it right, right? You're just starting out, you may have never done it before. But I really wanted to encourage experimentation because this can be a very fun and enlivening meditation if you allow it to be fun and more of an experiment rather than I have to get this right. Because what's gonna happen when you try to imagine the parts of the body, in the beginning, the parts of the body are gonna be kind of hazy, kind of vague, and sometimes they're really hard to imagine. And also when you do a 32 body part meditation, sometimes 
it's just hard to ground yourself in a way that makes you feel like you're getting something done, right? That it's actually producing some kind of effect. So it can be a challenging meditation. So I just want you to go easy on yourself and bring a sense of creativity and experimentation to this kind of meditation. Similar to Metta, when we practice Metta, sometimes, and I know I've had this myself for sure, there's a lot of times that students will say, you know, I don't feel anything in the Metta practice. I don't feel anything, so it's hard to do. A very similar complaint or concern arises for 32 body part meditation. While people are doing the 32 body part meditation, sometimes they're just not feeling very much. But in both cases, the more you practice, you will find that even if insight does not occur during the meditation itself, when you find yourself in the world, you will be able to see that there has been impact. So loving kindness may not feel great in the moment, but you do find if you continue to practice that when you walk out into the world, there is more of a sense of grace and ease in your life, right? There's more of a sense of acceptance, more of a sense of compassion towards other beings. And the 32 body part meditation is very similar. In the moment, you might not feel much, but in the world, you will start to see a difference. And so I wanted to just explain some of the things, some of the differences you might notice or some of the insights that you can expect from this kind of practice. So the first thing that Buddha talks about as to why there's this encouragement for the body part practice is that we want to overcome two things. One, we want to overcome too much attachment to the body on the pride end, right? And we want to overcome our aversion to the body, right? The self-hatred and self-deprecation that can come with disliking the body. So we tend to have this out of balance. We have parts of ourselves that we wish we could change, right? Or there we have parts of ourselves that we're overly tending to because we want to be stronger, bigger, I don't know, more flexible, whatever the case may be. We want our hair to be a particular way. We want our teeth to shine bright and so on. So one of the things the Buddha talks about is really getting over the attachment to being too prideful with the body and also encouraging some acceptance so we don't have so much self-hatred towards our body as well. You will notice with this practice that both of these insights will arise over time. Similarly, we are trying to decrease the loathing and the lust that we have for other people's bodies. We're constantly judging other people's bodies, right? I like that body. I don't like that body. I like this body over here because it looks like such and such and that's what I like. And I dislike this body over here. It's why we have such body shaming that goes on on the internet, right? People constantly, people are constantly criticizing the bodies of people that they have no direct relationship with, right? <laughs> they like get really heated about criticizing people's bodies and they don't even know these people. So we have this loathing and this lust that naturally happens to other people's bodies. So the 32 body part meditation is also a way of decreasing the suffering that goes along with being overly concerned with how other people look as well. So this is not only for how we treat ourselves, but it's also for how we treat others. Another aspect of this has to do with aging, death, and dying. The 32 body part meditation, if done properly and done regularly, decreases one's fear of death because one of the major aspects of dying 
that people cling to during the dying process and as we age is the body itself. The disappointment that the body isn't working the way we'd like, the aches and the pains, and ultimately the giving up of the attachment to an embodied being. So this is a process that the Buddha encourages us to go through as a very effective and what you might call safe way of contemplating death and overcoming fear of death through the direct awareness of the parts of the body. So this is considered in part connected to death contemplation because it allows us to be free of our fear of aging, getting sick, and dying. So it could be a hugely impacting for folks. Maybe not, again, maybe not directly in the moment, but over time through practice, you may notice this insight. So the last two things I wanted to mention about why we practice the 32 part body part meditation. The first one I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, which is the 32 body part meditation is designed to look at the body as being impersonal. So much of our attachment to the body comes from an I, me, mine orientation. And when you start looking at it and imagining your blood and your spleen and pus and urine, not so much attachment to those things. And so we start to realize the body has a lot to it that we conveniently push out as we overly identify with these other parts that we choose to like. So this is a way of encouraging depersonalization. So we're not so much rigid in the eye making that's associated with the body. And the last one, again, this relates to the lust factor related to the physical body, has to do with the fact that there is so much psychological baggage tied up in our sexual energies, particularly the way we lust right after others, we desire others. So oftentimes there's just general lust, which is a natural part of the human experience, right? Desiring the physicality and physical intimacy of another human being, totally natural. But one of the things that the 32 body part meditation allows us to, to do is to distance ourselves a little bit from this process so we can realize that we lust after other physical forms, oftentimes because we have a sense of insecurity or we want some emotional stability or we want to feel better about ourselves. There's all kinds of underlying psychological baggage that's tied to how we see our bodies and how we judge and value other people's bodies. And so this allows us to unpack some of that deep psychological pain or trauma we may have related to sex and sexuality and physicality. So this is another thing that can be really helpful over time. So the last thing I wanted to mention is how to do some of these practices. I'm going to guide us through some of it today, but I wanted to talk specifically about what are some of the actual instructions. So you saw earlier that we have these, this list of body parts, right? You have this list of body parts. Now, you can contemplate the body parts in any order. You can pick two or three to do in one session. And maybe you might say, let's say you meditate three or four times a week. You might choose somewhere in your meditation to just move over from Vipassana and use a few of these body parts in your meditation. So you don't have to do the whole list Although it can be very powerful, especially if you're on retreat and you have the time to really take, say, 45 minutes or an hour to really just do body part meditation. That can be really powerful. 
but most of us don't have the time to go through some giant list of body parts. So you can take them in groups or clusters. You can pick ones that you like. You might pick ones that kind of create an aversive reaction and focus on those one meditation. Then you might pick another set of body parts that you might choose to do, some that you might find to be funny or interesting or you're curious about. So you can create your own body part meditation. Again, encouraging creativity and investigation in this practice. It can help with the body part meditation, as I said earlier, to start with loving kindness, a couple minutes of loving kindness or gratitude practice. It can also help when you're sitting down to do the body part meditation to just remind yourself, why are you, why are you engaging in this practice? What insight are you interested in having from the practice itself? So it can take a second, beginning of your practice, do some positivity work, and then you might say, you know, may I be free from insecurities related to my body? I'm going to sit down because I want to be free from some insecurities related to my body. You just sat, sit down and orient yourself to why you might, might be participating in the body practice itself. As you move through the list, what you're going to do is use visualization to imagine the body part. And you can imagine it doesn't have to be accurate. It's not an anatomy lesson, but you want to get some sense. So if you're going to imagine your stomach, you sort of know where your stomach is. And you have a sense of what the stomach does. So you're going to use imagery to actually imagine the body part, right? So you're going to bring the body part into awareness. And then you might also contemplate, just think about the function of that body part. What does that body part do that's good? And have a sense of gratitude. Right? The stomach digests. It processes nutrients. If it wasn't for the stomach, we wouldn't have the energy. We wouldn't have the life. You could have a sense of like, wow, it's great that this organ called the stomach is working well and digesting my food. You could have a sense of gratitude for the organ right? while you're keeping up the imagination, which is the mental fabrication. And then you might engage in a little verbal fabrication with, say, the stomach. And you might ask yourself, how does the stomach also contribute to suffering? And that's a pretty easy one. I think everyone in this digital Dharma hall has experienced stomach suffering at one point or another. And some of us really know how much dukkha can be related to stomach issues. So you would take this imagination of the body part and balance between honoring the goodness that this body part does, but also acknowledging and honoring the fact that this body part brings dukkha and imagine that dukkha as well that is part of the meditation and then you might do a deeper meditation with that body part holding it in awareness and ask yourself is my stomach permanent is my stomach permanent we can take any body part and remind ourselves that none of our body parts are permanent you can even take that body part and remind yourself that it's subject to decay, right? Imagine when you were younger and body parts were working better. Imagine some pains perhaps you have now at this point in your life. But all the while, you're using a visualization to imagine the body part itself. So again, you can contemplate its function. You can contemplate that it might contribute to suffering. You might use it to get in touch with impermanence. You might use it to get in touch with the fact that it is related to disease and decay, right? All the body is related to these functions. You may also choose to explore not-self with any organ, and you simply ask 
The question, is my stomach self? Is it really being, does it really make sense to attach an identity to my stomach? I mean, is stomach something you take pride in, so to speak? So you ask yourself these kind of questions, taking a part of the body and ask yourself, is this self, right? Is my skin myself, right? Is my skin permanent? They say most of the dust in our house is skin cells, so we know the answer to that one. Skin is not permanent, and it changes over time. So we can take any one of these body parts and use them for these deep contemplations of the three characteristics, impermanence, not self, and dukkha. We can take any body part. So for example, we could take bones. We could honor the fact that our bones, we could picture the skeleton in our head, right? That's our mental fabrication. And then we engage in some verbal fabrication. We can ask ourselves, what are the benefits of having bones? Bones allow us to be upright. Bones allow us to walk, run, right? Sit up. Bones give us form. So we can have a sense that there is this benefit to having this part of the body. And then we can equally remind ourselves the bones can break, right? Joints can ache. That's the equanimity. We balance between the benefit of the body part and the fact that this body part as well can cause dukkha. We can have suffering related to bones. This type of meditation can be done with all of the body parts in any order. Another thing you can do with the body parts, as you imagine the part itself, just take note of your mood. What happens when you imagine stomach? What happens when you imagine spleen? hair, nails, teeth. You just want to get in touch with the mood that changes from moment to moment when you're visualizing different parts of the body. When you're asking yourself, is this self? When you're asking yourself, what dukkha comes alongside mucus? We've all had some association negatively with mucus, I am sure. So we can do these kind of things, right? We can use each one of the body parts as a doorway to insight, a doorway to deep understanding of the three characteristics of impermanence, not self, and suffering. We can explore mood as it arises and passes away when we're imagining the body parts. The last thing I wanted to say before we go into some guided sitting is that many people, I've heard this numerous times, um, and though I haven't had the experience and cannot vouch for it, uh, Ruth Dennison told me about this, as well as several other monks have told me this over the years. They have told me that by using the 32 body part meditation, that one can improve the health of the body by contemplating the body parts. When I met Ruth down in uh, Adamadena, she had been in the hospital months before. And when I came down and met her, she had described for me being in the hospital. And what she said was that she had the meditative ability to actually encourage healing inside the body. And that she was trying to tell the doctors to reduce the pain medication because the pain medication was making her really foggy headed and she couldn't do this type of meditation. And she really wanted to do this kind of meditation because she said she had the ability to basically move energy in her body to help with healing. And the medication that they were giving her was preventing her from meditating. And she was arguing with the doctor, trying to convince them to let her meditate on the body parts. And so she explained this to me. I thought it was really interesting. 
because I had heard this before from other people. Um, there was a monk. I mean, at least twice now I've heard monks say that um, they have been injured. Like oftentimes monks will go out into the woods or be alone on solo retreats and they'll be away from people. And so there are these stories of monks being injured and then using the 32 body part meditation to keep the body, I won't say healed, but keep the body up and running long enough to get help. So I know one story about a, uh, a monk who was bit by a snake and the paralysis related to the snake bite was causing trouble breathing. And this monk said because he had done the 32 body part meditation and could meditate on the lungs, he was able to take deeper breaths using mindfulness and use that long enough to get medical attention. So there are these ideas and stories in the Dharma about people using 32 body part meditation as a healing meditation. Now, I do not have that skill set, but it doesn't mean you can't develop that skill set. And I just wanted to mention it because it is mentioned in the teachings and um, certainly has been mentioned by people that I've talked to who are monastics um, who spend a lot more time at this than I do. Okay, so that is the overview that I wanted to give you. I just wanted to give you this bigger picture of how we use 32 body part meditation, why we do it. And so what I'd like to do now is spend some time taking on some of these organs uh, for the rest of our the rest of our sit. So let's take five minutes just to stretch since we've been sitting since the very beginning. And then let's come back and I'll guide you through the process of how you might use some of these organs as objects of meditation. So let's just take five, stand up, stretch, whatever your body needs, so to speak. All right. So what we'll do, get comfortable, plop, we're gonna plop back into the present We'll start with just a minute or so of some gladdening of the heart and mind. And then what I'll do is I'll walk us through um, just a few of the organs so you can sort of hear what it sounds like to kind of engage. And I can give you some, just some little guidance on what, how you might think of these parts of the body. We'll do some easier ones. Maybe I'll do one abstract one too, like the spleen or something. Um, and then we'll... Um, I'll start working through the not-self impermanent part so you can kind of see how those questions um, might work for you. And again, um, you can throw in your own questions and your own imagination. Be creative and just kind of enjoy it. All right. Let's plop for a few. Let's start once again with a couple long, slow, deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth with a deep, relaxing intention on the exhale. Really relax the body, sinking into the feeling of sitting, embodied being, sitting, breathing, that sense of sitting body. Really feel the density of your posture, the weight of your hands and arms, the pressure of gravity, the feeling of your butt on the cushion or your back on the couch or chair. We are physical beings 
gravity pushes down and we can feel the density and weight through our physical being. So really feel the posture. Take another long, slow, deep breath. Feeling at ease sitting. Let's take a minute or two to gladden the heart, bring a little touch of joy to the mind, creating a safe space for body exploration. Think of something you're grateful for, something that brings a smile to your face, joy in your life. It can be anything, person or place, it can be a pet a circumstance, anything at all, something that makes you smile, something that makes you happy. What are you glad for in this life? Let's bring the gladdening of gratitude into our hearts. The warmth of well-being. What are you thankful for? What is going well? There's always something, even if it's just the fact that you're healthy enough to be here tonight, celebrating in community, practicing in Sangha. It can be anything at all. Gladdening the heart and mind, creating a safe space in the present moment. with awareness of sitting, awareness of breathing, at ease in presence, with a gladdened heart and mind. Let it spring awareness inward. Let us take a journey inside the body body that carries us day in and day out. Everywhere we go, everything we do, the body is there. And what allows us to move through the world, to walk upright, is in part the skeleton, our bones. Using mental fabrication, picture you the skeleton, your skeleton. Picture the bones inside, beneath the skin, beneath the muscles, holding it all together, the framework of embodied being. Think of the hardness of the bones, the sturdiness of the bones. See how clear 
that mental fabrication can be. Feel the sense of yourself sitting and then imagine the way your skeleton looks in that posture. Hands touching hands. Arms probably resting in your lap upon your legs. But what does the skeleton look like holding us up in this moment? The framework of the body, the skeleton. With practice, the bones can become quite clear. Take a minute to picture the foot bones, the toes, all those little bones in your hands. You might imagine the ribs and the rib cage. Picturing the spine stacked, each vertebrae locked in, that vertebrae, the spine holding up, the skull. Be aware of your face and imagine underneath the skull that supports it, the dense hard bone. Each one of us, skeletons underneath, hardness, earth element. And then maybe imagine for a second the benefit of having bones, the fact that we can walk and sit upright, hold things, grasp, of playing as a child, running and jumping, all because there's a skeleton underneath supporting all of those activities. Skeleton, what an amazing thing to have. And equally, we can honor the fact that bones are not permanent. Our bones are not permanent. How have your bones changed over the course of your life? Perhaps bones have broken. Perhaps bones have aged and perhaps there's pain at the joints between bones. Perhaps the shape of bones in parts of your body have given you trouble now and again, reminding you of aging, discontent, decay. The dukkha related to having a skeleton, something each one of us shares. Strong but fragile not permanent. 
some verbal fabrication and ask yourself, are my bones self? Am I my bones, really? How attached are you to your bones? Something to contemplate, right? May not think of them very often. Am I my skeleton? Am I these bones put together holding me upright? Are these bones self? And we can take the meditation even deeper inside the bones. Imagine a part of your body, the bones of a particular part, maybe your hands or your feet or your skull, maybe your leg bones, perhaps a rib. And imagine opening up that bone to reveal the bone marrow Every bone filled with bone marrow. It's a spongy substance, I'm told. I have not seen my own, but I am told that it is spongy. So you can imagine it if you can visualize opening up, going deeper with awareness into the bones themselves, filled with bone marrow. Sponginess inside the hard outer shell. We try to bring that mental fabrication online. Really visualize what my bone marrow look like, feel like. Each bone has an interior, a spongy interior. We might offer some gratitude for the bone marrow as it's the bone marrow that produces the blood cells, the red cells, the white cells, which are the bearers of our immune system. The benefit of an immune system, something to be grateful for. Bone marrow. helps to protect us from disease and the discontent that goes along with it. The sponginess inside, marrow. And then we can remind ourselves, is is bone marrow permanent? Does it last forever? Or does it age, break down, and decay? Is our immune system 
permanent? Is it always working at full capacity? Or is there dukkha? Is there stress, discontent that arises in relationship to this marrow? You might take your mental fabrication a bit further and imagine your skeleton as it ages, becoming more brittle. Imagining that marrow breaking apart, the bones breaking apart, becoming less sturdy, less functional. Is our skeleton and the bone marrow within permanent? Can it be inherently satisfying or does it change? Does it age, decay and lead to suffering? We can contemplate self related to this as well. Is bone marrow self? Am I my bone marrow? Sounds silly when you say it. So much identification with the body, but am I my bones? Am I my bone marrow? Is it something to be attached to? Let's move out just a touch, surrounding all the bones we have, muscles. The meat on the body, muscles. Imagine your skeleton wrapped in muscle. Really try and picture it. The Buddha calls flesh. The muscles expand and contract to help us move. Just below the skin, each one of us, woven tapestry of muscles and flesh. Use mental fabrication to really picture the entire skeleton covered in muscle. Thin muscles, thicker muscles. You can picture your bicep and the quadriceps, the hamstrings in your legs, the thicker muscles. The thin muscles around the finger bones. Those dense muscles in the shoulders that hold all that stress and tension. mental fabrication, we can bring awareness to the fact that we are bones wrapped in flesh.
also imagine the sinew, as the Buddha calls it, the tendons and ligaments which connect the muscles to the bone. All of this flesh tied down, so to speak, to the framework, giving us shape. Here we sit, skeleton, wrapped in muscle, tied with tendons, covered in skin. Really bring awareness to that image. Earth element. We are physical beings. Are the muscles self? Am I my muscles? How interesting that we take pride in how big or strong or evident they are, these muscles that cover bone. But am I my muscles or muscle self? How interesting to take pride in how strong a muscle is. This quest for a six pack or being able to lift a certain amount of weight or having them look a particular way. Am I muscles really? If the muscles were on the outside of the skin, would you take pride in the muscles then? trying to show them off. How much would you want to identify with the muscles if they were on the outside and the skin was on the inside? How interesting how we identify with parts of the body as self. I, me, mine. My muscles. Are the muscles permanent? Will they offer lasting satisfaction and contentment? Or will they weaken over time? Wear out? Cease to hold us upright in the way we are accustomed a Nietzsche, impermanent changing phenomena, these muscles. We can celebrate that they hold us up, allow us to walk, jump, run, stand, in harmony with the bones. But we can also bring some equanimity and remember and honor the fact of aging decay, impermanence. We can bring mental fabrication as we imagine our muscles weakening, aging, losing strength. They are not permanent muscles.
perhaps we'll do one more organ. How about the stomach? Contents of the stomach. Stomach also primarily a muscle, right? Contents of the stomach. Imagine food in the stomach being digested. See if you can locate your stomach through sensations and awareness. Imagine the food in there being digested, dissolved. You can celebrate the stomach for processing all the nutrients that give us life, give us our mental acuity to be able to think and talk and breathe. Digestion, metabolism. See how clear you can imagine stomach contents based on what you ate today. Can you picture stomach contents? Does it make sense to say I am my stomach? Is the stomach self? Would it make sense to take pride in how the contents of your stomach look? Stomach contents, a reality of an embodied being. Awake and aware to stomach contents. Is the stomach self? As we get older, stomach, like everything else, functions less effectively, harder to get the nutrients we desire. Impermanent changing phenomena of the stomach and its contents. And of course, dukkha. All human beings, we share so many things, and one of those things we share is the knowledge of stomach dukkha. Indigestion, gas, pain, cramping. We can honor the benefits of the stomach, but we equally have to honor its discontent. Stomach and its contents, and the dukkha that it can bring. The body, so fragile. Impermanent changing phenomena. Stomach contents.
Embodied beings, stomach, stomach contents, bone, bone marrow, earth elements, all parts of the body, not self, not I, not me, not mine, not worthy of attachment. We honor the body in gratitude and honor the insight it provides as every part of the body is impermanent, not self and subject to discontent, aging, decay, and ultimately death. The nature of an embodied being Bringing this nature into awareness is the body part meditation. Let us conclude with three long, slow, deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth. Exhaling any tension left in the body, any tension left in posture. Deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. The body, a fascinating place. This meditation can do all kinds of wonderful things for us as far as insight and sensations and emotions that come up. There's just so much depth to this practice. I would invite you to spend some real time, like for a week or so, really trying it out. What, what you'll find, especially if you do it day after day, if you really practice it, you'll find that every time you do it, it feels a little different and you'll start to really get a sense of the power of sitting with an organ as you, but not you, right? As self, but not self, right? As something that's strong, but impermanent. Those meditations can be really powerful and really grounding. And as I said before, even if you don't feel any sparks, so to speak, while you're doing it, if you do it daily for a few days, you may find that as you walk through the world, you'll start to feel your body differently, have a sense of your body in a different way. It can be really powerful. I highly recommend it. I was very skeptical of the meditation myself early on uh, when I learned it. And when I first started doing it, it did take me quite some time. I really had to practice it day to day. If you have some time to do a longer meditation, you can take and rotate four or five or three or four different body parts and use that as your whole meditation. So you can, you know, start with hair and maybe teeth and then go into bone and then bone marrow 
And then you can start again and go back to hair and teeth and bone marrow. And as you move from image to image, you'll start to feel a different sense of yourself within, especially if you do it for 20 or 30 minutes. Highly recommend you test it out. And definitely give me a shout out as you begin to practice this. If you have any questions on how to do it, I will post, um, we'll do some meta here in a minute, but um, I will definitely post the list of the body parts um, on the Google Drive for you all. And um, I will also post some of the questions, some of the verbal fabrications, including some of the ones that we did in the weeks before. Um, so you can sort of practice asking yourself different questions and see how your mood changes and how your sense of I changes moment to moment when you move to different body parts. The other thing to pay attention to is watch what happens when you use different parts of the body. Like I really enjoy the skeleton. It's kind of fun. I, for, I think partly it just makes me feel like a kid when I'm back in like elementary school drawing pictures of skeletons. But then try something like the spleen. Another thing you can do, which can be really helpful, we did this, um, Robert had encouraged us to do this when we did our teacher training. Take the, take the different uh, body parts and go on Google and really look at an anatomy chart and see where the organ is located, like what color is it kind of, right? What does it look like? And actually look and see what functions it has. Get to know that and then go into the meditation and bring awareness. You know, you can talk about liver and spleen and the purification parts of it, the kidneys, so much interesting stuff that, you know, rests within us. And we don't... Uh, Oh, Joan was asking, where is brain as body part? Brain, I think, is the very last one on the list. Let me make sure. I believe, let's see, brain, brain, brain is the very last one on the list. And just so you know, it comes squarely after feces. <laughs> so we didn't get to feces today, but, you know, uh, th those are good to complicate. Urine is in there as well. Um, we got to acknowledge all parts of the human body. But yes, brain is at the end right after poop. I'm not sure why the Buddha thought if that was a joke or that was just the way that it was conceptualized or maybe just the teacher that I had when I wrote down the list, I wrote them down in this way. Um, so yes, the brain is in there as well. That's a fun one. Just the way the brain looks is interesting enough. Or the heart, of course, you know, that's interesting as well. Honoring each part of the body with gratitude and then honoring its impermanence. Such a powerful practice. <sighs> so we are right at time. So I'd like to do some meta. I wanted to thank you again for spending the evening with me. I love hanging out with you guys. This is always so delightful. Such a joy. I really appreciate it. I am just so grateful that we get to do this week to week. So thank you again so much for joining us and donating your heart and mind to the meditation and the process. Please try this out. Shoot me an email. Let me know how it goes. If you have any questions, if you have any breakthroughs or different experiences, love to hear them, particularly with this um, part of the practice. So let's just do a couple minutes of meta and then we'll, we'll call it a night. Let's just close our eyes for a second or two here and remind ourselves that we come together every week and we give the gift of our hearts and minds to each other in meditation practice and in Sangha and that we come together to share in the merits of our practice and that we wish well for all beings. And we hope that all beings can share in the merits of our practice. We come together week to week 
not only for ourselves, but always with the highest aspiration for the freedom and liberation of everyone around us. And we hope that this practice will bring us wisdom and compassion, that in the process of freeing ourselves from suffering, we can show up with love and joy and compassion and freedom. And this love and compassion and this wisdom and delight will impact every being that we come across in our lives and that all beings can share in the wisdom and generosity of our meditation experience. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings know true love and true happiness in this lifetime. May all beings be free from danger, worry, and concern. May all beings be fully liberated in this lifetime. May all beings be fully liberated in this lifetime. In this moment, sitting, breathing, awake and aware, if you could wish anything and it would come to pass for all beings, what would it be? What would be your greatest longing for the world if it could come to pass, your greatest aspiration for all beings? a minute to wish that for the world, for all your friends, family, and relatives. Acquaintances, strangers, all beings, plants, animals, all beings in all worlds, what would you wish for? May all beings be at ease. May all beings be at ease. Thank you, my friends. Be well. Be safe. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for coming.